What's up, Hoop Ball Nation? It's Brandon Marcus from the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. We're chatting about an exciting time in Clipperland with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George looking to lead the team to an NBA title. Tune in to hear guests ranging from TV voice Brian Seaman and radio voice Noah Eagle to various beat writers and team bloggers. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Hoop Ball Clips and follow me at BD Marcus. Looking forward to having you tune in. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We are officially one week into the resumption season, Thursday to Thursday. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. It's August the 6th on Fantasy NBA Today. Teams are rumbling along, sort of, I don't know, I guess you could call it rumbling. Injuries are beginning to happen, which honestly, I'm a little bit surprised they didn't happen sooner. And we're starting to likely get to a point where a few injury replacements might take place. Welcome in once more. I am Dan Bespris. This is, again, Fantasy NBA Today. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This is a Hoop Ball presentation. Hoop Ball is available online at hoop-ball.com is the website, at Hoop Ball Fantasy on Twitter. As we've been doing the last couple of days, we're starting on the the upcoming slate of games. I mean, we'll break down what's going on here on Thursday uh, daytime. Their first game starts at 10.30 Pacific time this morning, New Orleans and Sacramento. And so there probably isn't a great deal of purpose in discussing that game on the pod, but we're going to go through all of them. Who knows? Maybe someone will listen to this show in the like four minutes that it's up before that game tips. Regardless, then you have a little break between that early game and when the afternoon and evening stuff shakes out, but it's another six game day. We are what do we are? We're like eight or nine days away from the resumption season being over and moving into the playoffs. It's crazy how quickly this all goes. So let's dive right into what's coming up tonight, and then we'll circle around all the other stuff we got going on on the podcast uh, after we cover these things. New Orleans, Sacramento, Pelicans favored by four and a half, total of 234 and a half. Sacramento, man, I, you know, that Dallas game... That was the backbreaker for them. I, I thought Sacramento was going to win that game, and it seemed like they were going to the whole way through. They ended up, uh, basically, they blew it. I mean, they they had a lead. They didn't score for about the last four and a half minutes of regulation, and then they got clubbed in overtime. They did end up covering, so at least the suggested wager on that game would have come through. But I don't know how you come back from that one. I just don't. They, they've put themselves in a position in the Western Conference where they're not really in it anymore. Yes, I know they're only three games back of the Grizzlies, who also haven't won any games in this resumption. But the Kings have now moved to the back of the pack. They are the farthest of any of the teams away from getting into that nine spot. The Blazers, a game up on the Spurs, who are tied with the Pelicans. The Suns have actually moved in front of the Kings because they've looked good during the resumption season. And for Sacramento, that was their chance. A win there, and they're tied with the Spurs and Pels at two games back of the Grizz. Uh, and instead, I don't know I don't know how they come back from that one. I don't know what could possibly be left in the tank 
after a demoralizing loss like that ballgame. So while I normally look at a game like this and say, well, the Pels are likely overvalued at a four and a half point favorite, and they are, on most days, that's too big of a spread for two teams that simply aren't separated by four and a half points. And everybody loves the Pelicans these days. The Kings are just done. They're cooked. So if you're doing anything in this ballgame, you're probably looking at the Pels. I wouldn't touch the total because it's hard to know what a team like the Kings is going to do if their focus wanes. I'm inclined to think their defense will suffer, but also how much does it impact the offense? So uh, ugly ball game. That'll get started here very, very soon. And if you're going to make a wager on it, you better get it in quick. The next game on the docket is a 1 o'clock start time. Actually, there's a pair of those, uh, 1 o'clock Pacific time. Indiana is taking on Phoenix. The Pacers, a two-point favorite against the surging Phoenix Suns. This one feels like actually a relatively accurate line to me. Indiana, uh, they've played really well so far in the bubble, largely because of TJ Warren. But they're also at a point where, look, they're just kind of rolling where the results don't matter. They're not getting out of that three through six pocket. And I don't know if they really care who they play in the first round. It's going to be the Heat, the Celtics, or the Sixers. There's no avoiding that. There just isn't. So results are not hugely uh, instrumental here. And so for that reason, I wonder if Phoenix doesn't actually want this game a little bit more. I would look at the under in this game, if anything. Not a huge fan of betting this particular contest, but that's the direction I'm leaning. Phoenix and under. Those are the very small leans on that one. I mean, we're going through this as action plays. I've only given out two real plays so far, and it was fading the Lakers against Toronto and then the over for Orlando, Indiana a couple days ago. Those are the only two games where I was like, yes, I'm definitely making this bet. Most of the other ones I've kind of hemmed and hawed my way through because it's a weird time to be putting money on NBA. Miami, Milwaukee. Bucks favored by nine. Uh, I know Miami doesn't have Jimmy Butler, but the Bucks, there's also no indicator that they're going to play their guys the entire ballgame. So I would lean Miami in this one, if anything. I know, again, the star power definitely points the other direction, and Milwaukee kind of got embarrassed, but also they don't care. They've wrapped it up. Eastern Conference is done. They're four and a half games up on the Raptors right now. They don't, they don't need to do anything else. Right? Isn't that all over? Maybe they need to win one more. I don't know. Regardless, it's all over. Um, slight lean to Miami, slight lean to the uh, the over, but I'm not touching that one. Ooh, I'm not touching that one at all. Two and a half hours after those ballgames, Clippers and the Mavericks. The Mavs are, I would say they're in some kind of jeopardy here, but what it really looks like is they've just sort of missed their opportunity to get out of the seven hole. They're now two and a half games back of the Rockets and the Thunder. Uh, they are eight and a half games up on the Grizzlies and whatever's going on in that eight through uh, 13 situation. But it's looking more and more like the Mavs will bob- will be playing the Clippers in the first round of the playoffs. And this is a little bit of a uh, nod to that. Clippers, four and a half point favorites, total of 228 I don't know if there's going to be intense focus on both sides. Clippers are only a half game up on the Nuggets right now. What does that mean? Not a ton, actually, because there's no home court. So the difference between second and third in the Western Conference is more instrumental in the first round than anything else because then they'd have to deal with the Rockets instead of the Mavericks. So with that in mind, yeah, I think the Clippers probably want to win this game. I think Dallas does too because Dallas is looking at the board and saying, 
hey, the teams in front of us, you know, the Rockets are taking on a disjointed Lakers team later on in the evening. Uh, There's still an opportunity. Maybe we win our game, maybe the Rockets lose, and suddenly we're only a game and a half back halfway through this resumption campaign. So I think the, the Mavericks want this game. I think the Clippers want it. Uh, if anything, I would look at the under, but again, difficult games to wager right now. Portland, four-point favorites against the Nuggets. They are, uh, they've been, and, and mostly it's Yusuf Nurkic. Portland has been surprisingly good because Nurk has looked like himself with no time to get ready. It's crazy to think that way. I know he was close to playing back in March, so you say, all right, well, he had like four months to get his legs underneath him, but... Remember, this this dude hadn't played in a real competitive NBA environment in almost a year and a half after a gruesome leg injury, and he's been everything and more. Massive, massive credit to Nurk. He is the exception and not the rule on stuff like this. I want you guys to all remember this because nine out of every ten times a guy's coming back from a big injury, there's giant rust. He looks awful. There might be one game of adrenaline, and then it all comes apart. I mean, think Victor Oladipo. Think Paul George. Think so many guys that missed time and then came back and just looked completely lost. And then you've got Nurk coming back, and he is as lasered in as anyone I've ever seen. He looks like he's been playing every day for two straight years, and that's made Portland... Probably, I would say three or four points better in power rankings than I would have had them, expecting Nurk to be not good. So with that in mind, I have to change my tune a tiny bit on Portland. I thought they were a bit overrated coming into the bubble. I still think they're a hair overrated because they have, to their credit, been playing very well. Uh, and they look like the team with the inside track to get that, that eighth playoff spot because of Nurk. I, I know I get it. Dame and CJ have looked good, but... You know, Melo's been playing an okay role, and the the simple fact is uh, the Pelicans were never as good as everybody wanted them to be. That was an easier one. The Blazers, I thought, were going to be rusty. I thought the issue was that they were going to throw guys into the mix that weren't ready to go and get off to a slow start. Well, they've bested that. They do, however, have a tougher schedule than most of the other teams the rest of the way. We're still waiting to find out if anybody's going to come back for Denver. I think Will Barton and Gary Harris are still out. Jamal Murray is questionable. I think they're hoping to get him in for this ballgame, but it's not entirely clear if he's going to be playing in it. A ballgame that means a fair amount to both teams more, I think you'd say, to Portland than to Denver. But also, teams count Denver out. They're really a pretty good basketball team, and I would lean to the Nuggets catching four points in this one and uh, possibly to the under as well. Lakers in Houston is the last one. Lakers favored by a point. Um, hard lean to the Rockets in this ballgame. Lakers are uh, out of sorts. They don't need to play their guys normal minutes, frankly, nor should they. Um, this is also the second half of a back-to-back. Lakers got blown out by the Thunder. The only thing that gives me pause in this game, uh, by the way, Point of reference, I know that we heard from Frank Vogel that he was going to, quote, not go crazy with AD and LeBron, and they both did play about 30 minutes in yesterday's game. On the second half of a back-to-back, I don't know why they should be in there more than 15 to 20 minutes. There's absolutely, positively no reason other than trying to find uh, a measure of consistency, and so maybe there's this, this hunting effort, the Lakers trying to hunt for consistency, and so they do play their guys, but 
every indicator says they should not. And for the Rockets, there's still something on the line here. They have an opportunity to move out of the six hole, move towards five or four, secure not having to deal with the Lakers or Clippers in the first round if they can jump up a couple more spots and get into a pack where they're looking at the Jazz or the Thunder as a first-round opponent. They're playing well. Houston's look decent. Not great. They look decent in this thing. Uh, and and I, I don't I mean, I guess it comes down to whether or not LeBron and AD are really lasered in for this game. Anthony Davis should clobber against the very small Houston Rockets look that they give every time out there. LeBron, I think, may have a little bit of a tough time since he's going to look at a, a decent wing pretty much everywhere he stares. Uh, and then Houston's going to spread the floor and get gimmicky. And if the Lakers aren't focused, they'll just get run out of the gym. So I, I, I don't know why. I, I'm confused by this one, honestly. And maybe, maybe the Lakers being favored by a point is just because they're the Lakers. But every indicator that I'm looking at says they shouldn't play their stars all that much. And if they don't, I don't know how they have the firepower to keep up. So lean to the Rockets in that ball game, uh, and that's probably that's probably the strongest lean on the board. You're sizing it up by that indicator. Um, also, uh, kind of liking that under in Indiana Phoenix, and uh, kind of liking Miami catching nine, but that one's a little bit weird. Also. These uh, betting thoughts are brought to you by our buddies over at mybookie.ag. Mybookie offering 100% deposit match at a baseball futures voucher you can use on whatever you want using the coupon code HOOPBALL. Found out that yesterday the website for signups was down. So if you want to use that, uh, hopefully everything is is squared away today. I'll do a, a self-check and just make sure everything is going good over there. Uh, but mybookie.ag, we'd love to get you into the mix over there. Start winning some money with us here at HoopBall and our guys over at HoopBall Gaming and Today in Sports Betting. You bet, you win. They pay. MyBookie.ag coupon code HoopBall. 100% deposit match and a baseball futures voucher that you can throw on somebody because it's looking more and more like baseball is going to do everything they can to actually finish the season. What happened yesterday? Now we'll turn the clock back and try to finish up what we were discussing. Memphis lost in Utah. Grizzlies have fallen apart at the seams. They lost, of course, Jaron Jackson Jr., to a torn meniscus, he's out until the 20, uh, 2021 season. That's hard to say, by the way. You say 20 a, a bunch of times in a row. They are uh, down to the nubs here. Utah did a good job slowing down John Morant in the second half. He struggled with his free throw shooting in this ball ballgame. Um, Brandon Clark was okay. Jonas Valanciunas was solid with 21 and 14. Grayson Allen hit six more three-pointers, but they just they're not keeping up with anybody right now. And for Utah, they won this game because Joe Ingles finally got going. He had 25.6 three-pointers, four boards, five assists. Ingles looked good. We told you he was going to bounce back, and I think we sort of knew eventually it was going to come around for him. Conley looked good. Again, Gobert looked good. I, I haven't seen any real lingering effects of uh, his COVID situation. And Royce O'Neal... Uh, just continues to be fantastic. The starting five for Utah is the way you want to go there, and there's no reason to go in any other direction. Royce O'Neal, as I think we mentioned on yesterday's show, was a guy that should be on rosters and started. Denver beat San Antonio in a pretty good back-and-forth ball game, 132-126, very high-scoring game. Michael Porter Jr., another big one, 30-15. and 15. Uh, Not much else, which I think is going to be what 
what causes fantasy analysts to argue about him for years. Also, uh, the fact that Denver had their entire starting lineup on the shelf again. No Barton, no Murray, no Gary Harris. So Michael Porter Jr. got the start at small forward and went big again. Nikola Jokic went big. Monty Morris looked good. Jeremy Grant played well off the bench. Paul Millsap uh, didn't play much and with a back-to-back likely to be rested in this ballgame. The question really is, does Denver get any of their guys back? If they don't, Michael Porter Jr. should just keep on coasting, as should Jokic, as should Monty Morris. So stay tuned to whatever you're looking at to see who you can dump into your lineup quickly for a fast pickup and a fast start, and Denver might be one of those spots where you can find a little bit of love. And if you're wondering why I've been talking so quickly, it's to cover up my child yelling about what he saw in a Lego cartoon in the background, such as life in the era of the covid On the Michael Porter Jr. front, I think we should pause and look at him for a moment. His fantasy game is interesting. It's interesting because he is uh, what appears to be growing into an elite scorer and rebounder, especially from that small forward spot. 15 rebounds is nothing to shake your fist at. But there are these weird little holes in his game, and this is where we have to dig in deep and try to figure out uh, where, where it all can end up when everything sort of settles in. Now, if you look at his last two ball games, they've been colossal. 37 points uh, in their win against Oklahoma City, 30 in the win against San Antonio on great percentages. He's 23 for 35 in those games. He has nine three-pointers. He's at 12 out of 13 free throws. He has 27 rebounds in those games. Uh, One combined assist in those two games. So that I think we can just write off as not going to be a part of his game in the early going. Looking back at some of his regular season performances, when he got up around that 30 minute mark, yeah, you were looking at double, double stuff, 18 and 10, 20 and 14, 15 and 10. There's a lot of upside here. And at, at a glance, what it looks like, he looks a little bit like Lowry Markinen, but with good field goal percent. So that's a really high ceiling. What we have to wonder about a tiny bit is, what does it mean? What about steals, blocks, assists, turnovers? Where do those settle when everything sort of calms down for him and when we get a better sample size? And this is, this is predictive analysis. Everything that we're seeing for this young man is that he will be a fantasy asset at some point. Denver has a lot of their wings still on contract. It's Paul Millsap, actually, is the guy that's that's coming off the books for the Nuggets uh, this coming year. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, there might be there might be someone else that's coming off for next season, but um, Mason Plumley, I think, is the other one. Jeremy Grant, yeah, Jeremy Grant is a player option. Um, all right, Torrey Craig is coming off the books. They might try to re-sign him if they can afford him. But here's the point. Um, Gary Harris, still on the books for two more years. Will Barton, still on the books for likely two more years. As we mentioned, Jeremy Grant on the books for one more year. So they're going to have to create opportunity. And and they'll work to do that, obviously, with a young man who can play the way he can. Uh, but what you're looking at right now is the perfect situation. Tory Craig, who, uh, you know, his game is fine, but he's more of a defensive presence. And then the other two guys, Barton and Gary Harris, and then throw in Jamal Murray, by the way, who doesn't play the same position, but does 
does take a lot of shots when he's on the floor. All of these guys pull away usage. So it's going to be about usage as you look towards the future. My fear is that he's going to get overdrafted because he's going big right now when everybody's out. Uh, it won't be this easy for him to get 19 team leading 19 shots and score 30 and 15. Like what well, this is the 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 recency bias element of it. So if you're asking me where am I taking Michael Porter Jr. next year, the answer is not nearly as high as he's probably going to end up going unless Denver moves some of these other guys. Like they find a way to move Gary Harris or move Will Barton and clear out just an opening for him. And, you know, they could potentially start him at power forward, but a lot of time on the floor in that last game was shared by he and Jeremy Grant. And and in those spots, I think Grant is probably your power forward. Uh, But they're... We need to see what things look like when they have their pieces back on the floor. Is there a very high ceiling? Yes. Points, rebounds on good percentages, good free throws, three-pointers. This is all, it's all useful. And if he's on the floor for 30 minutes, he's probably going to find a way to get a steal. Right? He's probably going to find a way to get a steal and like .7 blocks or something like that. So it won't be brutal. It won't be great. It's not going to elevate you. But it'll be, you know, Markinen-esque, where he's doing a little bit of both if he's on there long enough to just make an impact there. He sort of falls into that stuff. So uh, this young man does have top 50 upside, but the team's going to have to be blown up around him to get him there. Or, I don't know, maybe Denver moves him, riding this wave of giant scoring ball games to try to get that extra star. If they got one more star, they'd really be in business. So I don't know. I don't know. We look ahead, we we gauge things, and obviously he's going to be good here as long as Denver has some guys out during this resumption campaign. But he's likely going to get overdrafted next year. Um, and, you know, he's he's settling. He'll probably settle more into a scoring in the teens and rebounding in the mid to high single digits where if he's not exploding in those departments and threes and free throws and all that stuff, then he is going to need some of the peripheral stuff that we haven't quite seen yet. So am I excited by his game? Hell yeah. Am I concerned at where he's going to get drafted? Also, hell yeah. Anyway, uh, the short version is keep an eye on Monty Morris because if Jamal Murray doesn't play, then he's probably on wires in this resumption campaign and uh, should be a pretty decent value. For the Spurs, Derek White. I thought we were relatively high on him, and it turns out we weren't even high enough. We had him at 71 on our draft board. I thought, boy, we'll end up with a lot of Derek Whites, and I think we probably did get a few of him. But he's been better than that. 23-7 and win this ballgame with seven money-counting stats. The fact that he's been able to start hitting three-pointers has completely changed the way Pop can use him in that offense. He's turning into a bona fide star, and I would put him pretty high on our draft boards. Although it's another situation where you have to look to see who's going to be around next year for San Antonio, see who's coming off the books. Bellinelli, uh, Jakob Pertl, Bryn Forbes off the books. Bellinelli and Forbes coming off, that's actually a really big deal because DeMar DeRozan, they're going to be trying to move him most likely next year. He'll pick up his $28 million option. Patty Mills becomes the lead competitor for Derek White at playing shooting guard alongside DeJounte Murray, who's locked up until uh, 2024. So he ain't going anywhere. But then you look at some of these other guys, and I mean, I guess you could flip-flop those two. It's really 
next year just Patty Mills as the main competition. And I think both Murray uh, and White, you know, they've got the youth on their side. It's time for the Spurs to start moving that way. Patty Mills will be 32 next season. Murray, 23. Uh, Derek White, he'll be, what, 26, 27? So that's the direction they're looking, and I would go relatively early on White next year. The more that I look at these numbers, he's going to be in there, and he has a really neat, well-rounded fantasy game. Threes, rebounds, assists, scores, steals, blocks from the guard spot, good percentages. He could end up being a pretty interesting steal next year, and I hope he doesn't give that away during this resumption campaign. Otherwise, I think Murray will be better in the next one. DeMar DeRozan, he'll be fine as long as the Spurs haven't given up, which was, again, that was a really good roll of the dice if you guys took it. I didn't have the stones to go that direction. Rudy Gay played well, but I don't think you can trust it long term, and I don't. I honestly don't even know who Keldon Johnson is. So, yeah. Philly beat Washington by 9. We had a lean to the Wizards catching 10.5 in that game because, honestly, I just didn't think Philly would take them seriously, and they didn't really take them that seriously. Joel Embiid woke up late and pushed Philly to the size victory that they ended up having. Embiid's been very good during this resumption campaign. Ben Simmons hurt his knee in this ballgame, had 8-6-4 before departing. Al Horford becomes uh, immediately far more valuable, as does really all of the main guys, because Simmons is a big-time usage dude when he's on the floor, ball handler. I mean, he doesn't take a ton of shots, but a lot of assists. He orchestrates the offense. So this is going to be a big bump to Al Horford. It's going to be a bump to Shake Milton because he'll now have to initiate a little bit more. Um, Richardson will probably get another shot per game. Tobias Harris has already taken a lot of shots per game. I don't know if it changes his situation all that much. You might just see them rest Simmons until the last game of the resumption, and if they can get him in there and see if he's okay, they will. But this is scary. You know, I had talked about I thought Philly might be able to figure out their weird new-look lineup prior to the playoffs they always have these focus issues, and this just makes it tougher. It's not enough time for them now to figure it out if Simmons has to miss any games, and I, I'm imagining he probably will. On the Washington side, Thomas Bryant continues to get all the minutes he can handle, and he is blowing up his fantasy value for next year. I, I was really hoping they would keep his minutes somewhat in check here, but he's gone nuts, and our only hope is that most people aren't paying attention to this resumption campaign. Uh, Troy Brown Jr. looked pretty good. Ish Smith played enough, but never has fantasy value. But all he did there was explode Shabazz Napier, who has completely fallen off the map. And I don't know what's going on with Rui Hachimura, but he just can't put the ball into the bucket despite playing 38 minutes. So you got to stick with it uh, because he's not going to shoot 18% and miss two of his five free throws every game. I, mean, I just can't. I don't know how it gets any worse for him. And he's their future at power forward. So. Stick with it. And uh, the uh, Thunder, without Dennis Schroeder, did fine. The usual suspects, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari. Uh, Nerlens Noel struggled in this one, most big men do, against the Lakers. And then Steven Adams, who generally sort of misses free throws on his way to an okay ball game. Lakers are just... Uh, <sighs> They're, they're rough right now. I don't know who the hell is going to have value on this team if they start pulling the plug on guys halfway through the ballgame. It might be nobody. And there was a report out this morning that there's something off the court that's uh, bugging the Lakers. I don't know what that's about. And Oh, we just got a report on Ben Simmons also, as I'm talking right now. 
So I, LeBron apparently said that there was something going off the court that he couldn't control and didn't want to discuss. I don't know what that means. I don't know if he's creating a story to to build an enemy for the Lakers, but uh, it's not it's not a great sound. So I don't know what the hell is going on out there. The Sixers, by the way, Ben Simmons has been diagnosed with a uh, subluxation, which is basically like a partially dislocated knee. He is, um, he was considered day to day. I think that sounds more like week to week. And so the Sixers now are staring down the barrel of it. And if you're in a playoff league, a lot of Sixers just got way more interesting. And if you took Simmons early in this resumption, like many of us did, that's a real kick to the groin. Youch. Sixers are in trouble now. Toronto beat Orlando in a game where the Magic just couldn't get off the mat early. Uh, they finally stopped uh, hitting the unders, or the overs. This is all it took was Orlando on a back-to-back in a weird pair of midday games and Orla- and Toronto's defense to just completely shut them down. I-, I-, I might look back at an over the next time around, although there are extenuating circumstances in this as well. For Toronto... It was the Freddie Van Vliet show again. Marcus Gasol looked pretty good in this ballgame, although his minutes were not super high in a game that, frankly, wasn't as close as the final score would indicate. Kyle Lowry did it in the uh, more well-rounded fashion, and Anobi had 12-5 with a block. Raptors just kind of a little bit from everybody in a big game from Van Vliet. On the Magic side, they just all stunk. Aaron Gordon had 9-11-5 and 3 blocks, but hurt his hamstring, and he's out now. So you want to talk about teams that can't catch a break. Jonathan Isaac out. Now Aaron Gordon out. Who the hell is going to play for this team? Well, Fournier is going to have to take a ton of shots. So is Terrence Ross. Vooch is going to have to take a ton of shots. Those guys will do quite a lot. And then it seems like James Ennis is going to get sort of square peg, round hold into that starting lineup. And I can't believe he could possibly have fantasy value. The Magic are... uh, in a weird spot. I think they'll probably just hold Gordon out until the playoffs, assuming he can even get back then. But if you have Ross, if you have Fournier, if you have Vooch, just ride him, and uh, we'll keep an eye on whether or not anybody else can step up. This does hurt them, by the way. Gordon was a big part of how they were able to play a little bit faster. Terrence Ross is another part of that. This The overrun for this team might be expiring, but uh, we'll keep an eye on that as well. I'm just I'm very curious what comes next. Boston beat the ever-loving daylights out of Brooklyn in the nightcap. That one was decided early. Blowout rules in full effect. So um, Marcus Smart, I think Gordon Hayward, were the only Celtics who played even close to normal starters minutes, but a lot of guys got enough while they were on the floor, and you can kind of toss this one into the recycling bin because Brooklyn's terrible, Boston is decent, and this game got ugly quick. By the way, if you think something looks horrible... Maybe you should clean it up with some grooming tools at manscaped.com. You see what I did there? Coupon code is HOOPBALL20. You get 20% off and free shipping on your order at manscaped.com. Check out the Lawnmower 3.0. Perhaps you can look better than the god-awful result of that Boston-Brooklyn game look. That's a game that desperately needs some uh, manscaping. Manscaped.com. Coupon code again, HOOPBALL20. MyBookie, our other partner, coupon code there is just the word Hoop ball. For both of those codes, by the way, hoop ball is all one word. H W O P B A L L. And then on the Manscaped one, you throw a two and a zero at the end, and that's how you get your delightful 20% off and free shipping. 
Uh, that's the news. Obviously, things breaking as we were doing the podcast. The only other news that flicked across my timeline is that Russell Westbrook is likely to take a day off in this ball game against the Lakers. I still think the Rockets win it. In fact, I don't know. They might even be better. All you get there is uh, more from Daniel House, more from P.J. Tucker, more from Ben McLemore, and then probably more from James Harden and, and Rob Covington because, you know, you take away Westbrook's usage and it goes to everybody else. Kelly Oubre uh, upgraded to doubtful versus Indiana. We've seen this before where guys get upgraded from out to doubtful, and then by the afternoon they get upgraded from doubtful to questionable. So we might get some halfer games from Kelly Oubre Jr. Keep a very close watch on that. If you have a basically a dead roster spot, I wouldn't be opposed at all to grabbing Oubre and just squatting on him for a game or two and see if he's actually planning on playing at all. I mean, there's a possibility he gets in there before this resumption's done, and you might as well just be a part of it if it happens, right? Like, what if you're sitting on, I don't know, you probably have some clunker on your team, right? Can't imagine everybody's team has somebody useful in every single roster spot. Someone on your team is not useful. So go pick up Oubre. Pick him up. See what happens. Hell, if you had Dennis Schroeder, I did in a bunch of spots. He'll probably play before Schroeder gets back. Babies don't come out that fast. And then, you know, you're in a hospital, so there's a quarantine in effect here. So think about it, you know? Think about it. I'm probably going to do it. I'm sure I've got some dead weight on my rosters that I can look at and, and replace with an Ubre. Do it right now while I'm on a podcast. What do you think about that? Ha ha! Do it before you guys can listen to it and do it to me. I'm going to drop JaVale McGee in one spot in favor of Ubre. Because that upgraded, Brandon Marcus loves to talk about it. When guys get upgraded from out to doubtful, it's usually just a matter of time before they go the next click. All right, I guess that's it. Um, please do drop a five-star review on the pod. I've been forgetting to, to ask you guys to do that. Whatever device you might be using, obviously Apple, uh, iTunes is the, the most important one for us. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already, even if you're not going to listen every single day. Having the subscription is part of what moves shows in the rankings. And that's it. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but you know what? It is what it is. If I remember it later, I'll tweet it out. At Dan Vespers on Twitter, hit me up. This is, again, Fantasy NBA Today. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is a hoop ball presentation. Go follow at Hoopball Fantasy. Get all your fantasy information here for the resumption on that. And please go check out our betting and our DFS podcasts right now. There's probably, frankly, they're, they're more relevant than this show. If you're going to listen to anything, listen to one of those. Come back to mine in, I don't know, October when we get to free agency. Go listen to DFS. Win some money day-to-day. Go listen to betting. Win some money day-to-day. Those guys are great. They're doing a hell of a job. Uh, DFS Today is the name of that show. And Today in Sports Betting is the name of the gambling pod here at The Hoob. Okay, that's it for real this time. So long, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow we got Brew, the big dog, on the show. Almost forgot to tell you. Brew tomorrow, Adam King, early next week. So some good guests coming up here on Fantasy NBA Today. Uh, Going to try to get Brandon Marcus here on in the next little bit. I know he's out of town for a couple of days. But uh, really trying my best to get a few other voices because I'm tired of talking. That's how the show's ending today. Goodbye.
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.